Oh boy. <laughs> not not off to a good start with the old technology. Yes, sir. That's how we roll. All right. I think I think we're fine. I think we're finally good. Yeah. Good to yeah, go. My, my worst my go? worst nightmares came true last week. Poor poor Yeti. Yeah. Just just uh <laughs> We, we just could not get a great connection with her. She was awesome, by the way. Yeah. And what an amazing story and her background. Like, you know, we knew she had a doctorate. We knew she was a scientist. But to be able to really dive into her background last week and figure out exactly what she did as a scientist. Um, yeah. I mean, that t- for me, that took it to a whole different level. Yeah. I mean, studying the neurological effects of cancer treatments. I mean, you don't you don't think about this stuff, right? I mean, we, uh, we yeah. think about we think about, you know, with the treatment for cancer, did it work or not? Right. We don't, right. Even, we don't even think about the, all the intricacies of how it affects your GI, how it affects your heart, how it affects your brain and all the side effects that can come with all that. I mean, you know, just people like that literally take science and the human body and biology to a completely different level that I just, I can't even like my brain can't even comprehend that. You know, I, I think they kind of, I mean, you have to have people like that because obviously chemo, works to a degree because it's killing cancer cells well the problem with chemo is killing all cells right yeah and so you have to find you have to have scientists out there trying to find a way to mitigate that damage you know and and to make the process more livable survivable so it's it's i'm glad there's people out there like yeti doing it you know absolutely and she's just such a not not surprising just a just a terrific person i mean just so sweet so kind yeah i hate it It was (laughs) for those who uh just a little pull back the curtain type of moment. So she was just having all kinds of problem with her connection out in Colorado. Literally, as soon yeah. as we got done with the podcast, she texted yeah. me. What was it burning me? Maybe within an hour, maybe not even. Oh, I mean, literally 30, 30 minutes max. Yeah. The UPS guy shows up because, because she knew that they had problems uh, with their, with their modem out there. And literally, yeah, within 30 minutes to a half an hour after finishing the podcast, UPS guy or FedEx guy shows up with the, uh, <laughs> With the new modem yeah. for her. That's that's how it works, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So we just didn't have time to record. Plus, it would have been good anyway. Anytime you try to redo something like that or recreate it. I agree. It never works. It never works. So tangent off of that, that's <laughs> why I've always been fascinated with acting and actors. Because, you know, when you see a scene on TV, that's not the only time they've done it. Right. And especially right. emotional scenes, you know, you're going through 20 takes like that. Yeah. That's crazy to me how they're able to make it seem organic and, you know, like it's the first time and the only time they did it. I mean, it's I don't see how people do that, actually. Yeah. I mean, I really that, that's what acting is all about. Right. I mean, just, yeah. just putting just putting yourself in a moment and putting yourself in a in a different character. I mean, we, we've kind of gotten on the on the cornhole side. We've gotten a little taste of that because of the shows that we've done that have been live to tape. Right. You know, we've had a, we've had a few where we've had to do it live to tape on a Saturday, uh, you know, late on a Saturday night, and they won't air until Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so, for those for those who don't know, what we do is um, on Saturday night we'll record we'll record the players. So let's let's say it's a shootout. Yeah. yeah. So you got you got the you got the men's singles final, women's singles final, and pro doubles. So we we will let the players uh, play, and, and we'll do that. And then after we're done with that, David Harris and all the guys behind the scenes. Uh, you know, with the ESPN people and, and with Tupelo and, and all the people in the truck, they'll time it. So they'll, they'll yeah. say, okay, how long was the first segment? How long was the second segment? How long was the third segment? We know we've got an hour. So how much time do we have to kill? So then they tell Trey and I, okay, here's what we need to do. So we have to record segments. But if we don't record, if we record it too fast, 
mm-hmm. or we, we record it too slow or we decide that we need to add something to it. You know, you've seen us. I mean, we've been there, yeah. we've been there, you know, for, for gosh, I mean, there was one night that we were there having to do multiple takes and you're right. Every time you come on again, again, small, I mean, it, diff, different, but the same, I get it. It's not, not right. like, you know, we're acting for TV, but still you have to redo it over and over and over and still try and keep your excitement. I mean, it, it is, I, I, I felt like when we do those, I, I feel like Trey and I really have to be like actors. Yeah. And you got like, when y'all are doing that, everyone else is done, right? So everyone else is milling around and kind yeah. of done and patting each other on the back or whatever. Right. Yeah. And you guys are having to like, stay in the moment, stay focused while people are just kind of strolling around you, kind of walking behind you, patting you on the yeah. back, trying to talk to you. And you're like, you know, I'm not done yet. Yep. Yeah. We've had to stay, we've had to stay pretty late. Yeah. Sometimes doing that. So, but it's weird. We, yeah, we have to almost like record that almost like a, like a film, like a little feature film. We have to record it in segments. And then, and then the funny thing is when you watch it on CBS the next day, you'd never seamless. know. Seamless. I mean, D- David, David and his group do such a good job and all the guys back at CBS or CBS sports in New York, whatever the, the way that they edit it all together, you'd never know when you watch it back. You just, you just think it's live. It's seamless. It's crazy. Actually. Yeah. It's, yeah. Those people are fascinating. So how was uh, how was the trip out? To, so so for those who don't know, Bernie is actually so this week huge week. So coming up on Friday, got a doubleheader action late East Coast. That's uh, late on the West Coast. I yeah. think it's like ten thirty local time out yeah. in uh, out in Scottsdale. But but a doubleheader of cornhole for the first big event, big pro event of the uh, of the year. So we'll have the pro our first pro shootout qualifier in tandem with uh, Super Bowl. So the the pro am celebrity. Um, Super Hole events, so that's gonna be a lot of fun. So you're out, you're out in Arizona already. You guys, you guys I, I in am. Phoenix or Scottsdale, wherever. Uh, I think technically we're in Scottsdale. I think Talking Stick is in Scottsdale. I can't. I mean, we're right, we're right there. You know, Scottsdale. I mean, Old Town Scottsdale is really like an exit or two away from us. So it's we're here, man. We're out in it, and it's gorgeous, gorgeous. Gonna, are you guys gonna try and go to? Not, you may not have time. Are you gonna have time to go to? Uh, the uh, TPC see some action because I think the the, the uh, PGA is there this week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, there's some talk because Saturday, you know, we we're done. We're done after Friday, right? And I think we have to load out on Saturday, and then you know, there's there's some there's some chatter about possibly going out there, but nice. uh, maybe maybe tomorrow a little practice round. Not sure. We'll see. I've only been to uh, two PGA events, both when they were here at Kiowa. And uh, I love going. I wish I could go more often. They're just they're just really not that close to us, but they are so much fun to go. Oh yeah, man! Like living in Charlotte for you know forever, and you having the quail, you know the, the tournament at Quail. Oh, quail! And, you know, yeah. yeah, spending you know a billion dollars for a beer, and then uh, I when I was in college at Elon, we were right down the road from Greensboro. We were probably like 20, 25 minutes outside of Greensboro, and they used to have, and I can't remember. My brain doesn't work anymore. I can't remember the name of the tournament, but we would go down there, and it was just a free for all, man. Just an absolute free for all. And I and back then, you used to have to buy beer tickets, right? Like they would have like a roll of raffle tickets, right? Right. I hung out with a lot of degenerates in college. You you did? I, I did. I, I I know that's hard to believe. Wow. But we were going up to pay for some tickets, right? And I had a friend that just kind of found a way to reach around the table and grabbed a whole roll of tickets. <laughs> Let the party begin. It was awesome. Do you remember that how was, that day? You remember how that day ended? Uh, 
it, it ended at a Waffle House, just out of control. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, that was, was a fantastic. Good day. That was a good day. That's a good day. Yeah, that's a great day. Um, so how was the? So you actually drove out there? So it was. I did this yeah. time. I rode. I, it's been a while since I'd ridden out, and I rode with uh, Michael Kane, aka was it Ghost Finger. Yeah. I mean, we got out in three days, which is a pretty good haul in one of those trucks from Charlotte. He picked me up in Atlanta. Yeah, Saturday we split up. We just I drove eight hours, he drove eight hours. We knocked out sixteen in the truck, so we were able to make pretty good time getting out here. It was pretty crazy. Did he ever get the air con- air conditioning fixed? Well, no, but this trip we don't need it. But yeah, I don't. I think it works. I just don't think he uses it. I think he's worried that if he uses it, it's going to you know overheat. <laughs> overheat engine's going to break down he doesn't want yeah. to especially in the summertime when he was driving out in the desert southwest when it's you know 115 he wanted yeah, he, to, no part yeah, of breaking and, he, and and we we all made that trip together from actually we went from scottsdale to las vegas yeah and yeah Man. you don't want to be breaking down out there no There's not that that was crazy <laughs> that was crazy yeah we took some back roads and there was nothing out there. Yeah. I remember thinking to myself, okay, yeah, no wonder he doesn't run the air conditioning because he, he just doesn't want to get broken down out here. I mean, what would you do? I, I mean, have like, no idea. It, for, for people that have never driven that, like there is a major interstate that goes that way. But for some reason, I don't know if it was an accident. We went, a, you know, kind of a side state road. And I mean, yeah. there's there were moments there it was. I mean, did you, weren't you yeah. still, you were still doing your real estate thing and you just couldn't do it because there was no way to work, right? Like no signal from no. anything. Yeah, no signal whatsoever. And remember, Stacy had like a big conference call with some sponsor type <laughs> things. And, yeah, just gone. And yeah, yeah. couldn't even do it. Yeah, yeah no, the, it, the funny thing was every time I saw a camper, I'm like, are they doing meth in that camper? Oh, it absolutely. Looked, it looked, it looked well, like the whole drive looked like a scene from Breaking Bad. <laughs> well, I mean, what are you? I've been saying this for years when we, since we've gone out there. What are those groups? Like, so if you've ever driven out in the desert southwest, you'll see off the interstate, kind of back, you know, a few hundred yards away from the interstate, you'll see a group of like, what, two, maybe three campers? Kind Every of once in a while. You know, it's like, where's the water? How are they living? What are they doing? What are they yeah. running from to be in those campers? Yes. And just ran, members of random huts and random little houses Dude, that you just is. see. I mean, w- without a town for miles and miles, it's like, what do they do for a living? And, and right. you know, they're not, you, you know, they can't be like farmers because there's no right. crops. It's desert. Right. Yeah, I mean, what, what are they doing? Like, <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah. That was wild. Uh, just about ready to get to our guest, another awesome guest this week. Um, but real quick first, so headlines this week going into cornhole. One of the big ones in my in my uh, estimation is Jamie Graham. I mean, mm-hmm. Kyle Malone is is playing about as good as anybody in the sport right now. He's going to go up against Jamie Graham. If Jamie wins, he will pass his doubles partner Matt Guy as the all time winningest player in ACL history. I feel like that. You know, I love that stuff. I, yeah. I think that's a big deal. I think it is a big deal, and it's not only is it a big deal. I mean, how old is Jamie? 24? Twenty four. Twenty. Yeah, yeah, maybe twenty five. But I think you're right. Probably yeah. twenty four. I mean, there's a lot of years left. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a sport that you can play for a long time. It's not like Matt Guy's going anywhere anytime soon. But you know, mid twenties, man, that's uh, uh, that's impressive. And, and, and because Jamie and Matt are doubles partners, obviously yeah. Jamie is not going to have many opportunities. He's got to do it on the single side if he's going to pass him. 
Right. So now, now the interesting thing is how long do we talk about Jamie before some of these other guys start popping up behind him? I mean, Mark Richards won what seven or eight career titles in one year last year. <laughs> so I, I, I just, don't know how long this will last, but it's. But I think they'd be they'd be huge for Jamie, and I know he's thinking about it. I know he'd love even if he can just hold it for a little bit to be you know to hold that yeah. title. I know. He'd I think. Well, I think we need asterisks for this because there were, you know, when Jamie and Matt and a few others were putting these numbers together, there were no opens. You know, there, there, we didn't have this open series that people yeah. were counting as wins. And Mark Richards was able to win seven events last year because of opens, right? Like, like it, it wasn't he won every national and then the world championships. It didn't work. Yeah, I mean, he that's did, a good point. You know, and so it was, I, I, you know, whereas Jamie and Matt had to put up their numbers in nationals, essentially, which yeah. is to me – Truly remarkable because that's a yeah, lot it'd, it'd of be like, It'd be like in golf. It'd be like in golf if all of a sudden they added a different, um, you know, a different a different type of of win to their career win. Like if they added majors. Sure, they do. And gave them more opportunities. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, think, I mean, think about. So who is Tiger Woods tied with for the most wins of all time? Sam Snead. Yep. But you wouldn't consider Sam Snead one of the greatest golfers ever. I mean, he's a great golfer, but you wouldn't put him on the Mount Rushmore. Right. You know what and I mean? And did, did Tiger have – was Tiger – I mean, Tiger's amazing, obviously. Did he have more opportunities? Were there more events to play in for Tiger than there were for Sam? Well, he I did. I mean, I think there were opportunities. But remember, Tiger only played 17 a year. That's what makes it even crazier yeah, that's the true. numbers he, he play put all. You know, yeah. back when Sam played, there were, I think, 30 events on tour. And those guys played every week because they didn't have the money. So they were literally right. – you know, driving from tournament to tournament just to make yeah. the money. So yeah, and Tiger was doing that with seventeen, maybe twenty events worldwide. That's yeah, bizarre. I'll but that to your point, that. there's a whole tour now, the Open Tour, if we want to call it that, mm -hmm. and the shootouts, so, so more opportunity. Yeah, some more opportunities. So good point. I'm, that's why I'm always on their side a little bit on this because I think those yeah. numbers, like you're saying, can get skewed in a hurry. What happens if Mark Richards does have two, three years like that? Right, all of a oh, sudden he's yeah. at twenty plus wins. Any, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's great. All right, let's do this. Let's get to this week's guest. Another another awesome guest, and we truly appreciate his time. He is busy, as always. But you and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago. When you want to talk cornhole, and you want to talk football, and you want to talk being at and with a team who plays in the Super Bowl, there, there's only one guy. Yep. in the sport that we could possibly have gone to this week. And thankfully, we were able to get time with the one and only Terry Kirby. He's a 10-year NFL veteran running back. He was in the NFL from 93 to 2002. He was with the Dolphins, with the 49ers, Cleveland. Uh, spent his last three years with the Oakland Raiders. Actually, he went to the uh, Super Bowl in 2002 with the Raiders. He was injured that year, but still was with the, the team and traveled out there and went through all the madness. Uh, outstanding running back at the University of Virginia, twice led the ACC in rushing and finished his career at, at the time as the school's all-time leading rushers. He was actually, I mean, he held it for a long time until a guy by the name of Tiki Barber <laughs> came along and, and broke his record. But uh, truly a terrific guy. Love to have him on. Outstanding football player, obviously. But on the side, he's also a hell of a cornhole player and an aspiring ACL pro. So again, no better person to talk to about cornhole and football than the one and only Terry Kirby. What's, What's up, guys? Terry? What's yeah. up, guys? Super Bowl week, baby. Super yes, Bowl sir. Week. Yes, and sir. And Super Bowl week. I know we got we've got we got so much to talk about. We got football. We got Super Bowl. We got Super Bowl. 
Um, so much, so much to get to. All right, first things first. Um, you're down. Are are you in Florida or are you headed out to Arizona? I'm in Florida. I'm in Florida. Okay. Are you going to go out to the game at all or no? I have a ticket to go out. I'm just not sure yet. I got a lot of stuff going on right now. It's it's busy down here in Florida at my gym, so it's kind of you know all the baseball players are getting ready to leave. So oh, that's right. A, a lot of training going on right now. So, by the way, by, by, by the way, hold on, Jeff. How, how important is Terry Kirby when he can be like, you know, I've got a ticket to the Super yes. Bowl. I'm just not sure if I'm going to go. I love football, but I don't know if I can sit there and watch it. I, I can't. It's it's very hard for me to watch it, man. It's so hard. It's so mm. hard to do. Very hard you, to do. Even even to like, it's hard to watch the Super Bowl. Or it's just hard to watch the game in general. It's just hard to watch the game. You know, even as a kid, I never really watched the game. I love. I'm an active person, man. I like to be outside. I like to move around. To sit down for three hours and actually watch a game. And listen, all athletes critique it. No matter who you are, you say you don't. You sit there and you watch and you're like, why in the hell did he do this? What was he thinking? You know, and you're like, and you get cringing. You know, you cringe at it. So it's just, it's tough sometimes. It gets your blood boiling too much because you see stupid shit. <laughs> right. Well, that, that that's an interesting point. Hey, have you guys ever seen that 30 for 30 on Marcus Dupree? Oh, the, the best. The, yeah. And when they talk about when he's on the sideline, when he first gets to go to that Saints game and yeah. how he was just just watching it, like it's almost as if an instinct was coming out of him. Like he, he, he knew, yeah. right? Like he wanted to be on the field so bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you feel. You You feel that way all the time, all the time. So do you feel like the game like does it does it does it frustrate you because do you feel like the game has changed like like are there certain are there certain things that players do where where you 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 think it you know the game has changed and you know for for the worse? Yeah, I think they just have changed the game so much that they're taken away from the game. You know, if that's some uh, easy way to say it, you know, because now guys aren't getting hit like we did and you know, we got hit all the time. And you know, you were you were you know, you were afraid to go across the middle. You know, it's and you know, receivers now they don't have to really worry about getting hit, you know, supposedly, you know, in the head or wherever, you know. We that was not even heard of. I mean you think about these safeties that I had to play against. How could you control Ronnie Lott? How could you control Lewis Oliver, Steve Atwater? Mm. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, we can go down the list of all these. How are you going to control them guys of you coming across the middle and they they not able to hit you? Yeah, Rodney Harrison was out <laughs> to ruin careers, and he said it. He said it. <laughs> he said yeah. He, he said it. You know, and you think about this one right here. Nowadays, you know, they back then they would put bounties on players. You know, you were, you know, when you play the game of football, you go out to hurt the other player. It is what it is. You know, we can't call it any. You can't call it anything else. You're not trying to do it illegally, but you're really trying to take the player's head off, you know, and that's that's how we grew up playing the game. And nowadays it's it's not the same. And, you know, everybody cries, you know. Think about if Marino, Elway, you know, Troy Aikman, all them guys as quarterbacks were playing right now. Can you imagine how many yards they would have? Oh, my gosh, Dan Marino. Wow. <laughs> With, 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 you know, yeah, with, with all with all the slot receivers over the middle, they would be able to yes. use that you couldn't use back or you didn't use back then. You didn't use. It's just a different yeah. game, and it, that's why it's so hard to compare. You know, even with Tom Brady and all the stuff that he's done, it's hard to compare him to the quarterbacks of the past. It's kind of like comparing LeBron and MJ. You can't really do it because the game 
has changed. Jordan earned every point he ever got. <laughs> right. Every right. point. You know, he literally got beat up. You know, I would love to see a matchup of LeBron being checked by Dennis Rodman. Can you imagine? I would love to. I would love to see the a current NBA team play against the Detroit Pistons of the '80s. Exactly. They would all be kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> they would all be kicked out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, you know, De- devil's advocate though on the whole defensive, uh, you know, hits across the middle, and I'm with you. I totally. I mean, I grew up watching that and and love that. But but devil's advocate. I mean, do you feel like it has made the game more exciting, though, for the general public because it has increased the scoring? And maybe more importantly, I mean, the game is about superstars now, right? Right. I mean, so you're you're keeping the superstars, the quarterbacks and these these, you know, these high flying wide receivers. You, I, I think they're trying to keep them on the field, right, because it's more star power and increases ratings and interest. I think it's keeping them on the field, but it's keeping the social media because people want to see big plays. I think it's about that, you know, instead of, you know, keeping them on the field. I think people just want to see wonderful catches. You know, think about um, Odell Beckham. You know, all the great catches he's ever had. How many of those great catches did we see years ago? They were yeah. tons of them. Lynn but, Swan, baby. I oh, <laughs> you know, that was my guy. Had, you know, Drew Pearson, you know, think about, you know, all those guys, those one-handed catches and all that stuff. That was happening in every game back then. But because of social media, that's all you see is all his great catches. You know, yeah. you don't, you didn't have that back then. And people love to see that. And that's how these guys are getting paid because, you know, when you get all the likes and everything else, people – they gravitate towards you. So it's just, you know, it's a better opportunity for them. You know, it's one of the craziest things. We had a text the other day. And in 1995, the salary cap, I think, was $37 million per team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Today, it's like $280 million. <laughs> well- you know, so... It's absolutely, it's it's absolutely crazy. So now you see why, you know, with the TV deals and everything else, it just has, the game has just, I guess, as you say, has passed me by. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to tell you the game has passed you by. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's the last thing that I would ever say to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we lost we lost Bernie, we lost Bernie for a second, but I, I, while we wait for him to come back, um, how well how well do you know Dan Marino? Uh, very well. He's one of my good friends. I train Danny here at the gym too, so him and I I see him all the time. Yeah, he, he's. It's funny because when you get in the discussion of of greatest quarterback of all time and winning championships or or a lack of winning championships in his in his uh, in his case, unfortunately. Um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people nowadays that really don't, especially younger generation, don't necessarily know him because he didn't win four or five, six championships, but truly one of the, I mean, he's got to be right. One of the top two, three quarterbacks of all time. There's, there's no doubt about it. We were having this debate the other day with one of my clients here and, you know, he's a big Buffalo Bills fan. So, you know, he's saying that, you know, Jim Kelly was, you know, better than Dan Marino because Jim went to the Super Bowl. I go, but if you go by how many playoff wins or Super Bowl wins, they're in the same exact boat. He went, he never won. So right, does right. that make him a better quarterback? You know, it's 
it's such a, um, I don't know, it's such a debate out there, I guess. But for me, you know, and you ask most people that that saw Dan Marino play, they would say that he's probably <laughs> top two, top three quarterbacks ever to play the game for sure. By, by the way, by, by the way, when you, when you're doing a show like this and you're fidgeting and you just take your hand and you knock everything out of your computer. It's, 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 it, it, it doesn't work well. Yeah, I just completely knocked out three things. Well, out you of get, are, are you getting nervous because it hit I'm, across the middle or what? I mean, it, it's, it's reminding me of being in the backyard with kids three years older than me. Hey, have you ever had a talk with Dan Marino about that? I mean, how much does, how much does that still bother him? It doesn't. Or, he knows he's the greatest. He, you know, Danny is one of those guys that even to this day, you know, he'll go out there and we'll throw passes and he'll you'll see him on the sideline. Even now to this day, he'll go to a couple games and he still has an arm. He says, you know what they should do is take my arm off and give it to any one of these quarterbacks nowadays and they'd have an arm. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was amazing. The, the guy's competitive. You know, he was yeah. one of the best. He was one of the best to do it. You know, I was very lucky because I went from Dan Marino to Steve Young. I mean, I couldn't ask for <laughs> much better. <laughs> You, know, you went straight like from Miami from, to San Francisco, huh? Yeah, so I went from Coach Shula, Dan Marino, to Seifert and Steve Young. Oh, my God. How, how, good of an, how good of an athlete was Steve Young? Was he really that good of an athlete? He was that good of an athlete. You know, Steve was – and competitive. You know, think about if we had concussion protocol back then, Steve would have never played the game. Yeah. You know, Steve was – definitely had a lot, of, a lot of hits in his head. And, I mean, I remember games when – you know, he was smelling salt on the sideline and stuff like that. It was just, you know, we can't even imagine the concussions that went on back then because we didn't know any better. You know, we just called it getting your bell rung. You know, yeah. that was – and, you know, one one of the saying we had is you can't make the club in the tub. You know, if you can't ain't playing – club from the tub. Yeah. Listen, if you ain't playing, you ain't making money. And if, you ain't, if you're not playing, that means your career is pretty much over. So you played and fought through – you know, injuries like crazy because you didn't have a choice. You know, that was who we were. And that's, you know, that's the true gladiator form of football that, that we went through those years. Brandon Noble. I don't know if you know that name. He's a good friend of mine. Yep. He played, he played for the Cowboys and for the Washington Redskins. And he basically was, was, uh, d did a lot of time on special teams early on. And he basically was part of the, uh, you know, the, the blocking uh, what do you call it? The wedge. He, he, was, the he wedge. was basically, yeah, he was basically the the, the front Absolutely. end of that wedge on, on special teams. And and yep. I mean, the way that he describes it to me in private conversations and on on a, we've done we've done some uh, some football games together. I mean, what a violent uh, oh. collision that was. I mean, he he yeah. I mean he he basically hey, says you know every time I was basically in a car wreck. Absolutely. Every, every time that I was on special teams in the wedge. Well, you're sitting there and you got you know. You got the number L5 and L6 running straight down full speed, 30 yards, full speed, and you're just sitting there lock hands with somebody, and they're just straight colliding. Yeah. That's, that's every every kickoff. You know, they've taken that away from the game. You know, that, that part of the game is gone, you know? Yeah. Unreal. You know, that was a fun – kickoff returns used to be fun. You know, it was one of those things that – now how many really kickoff returns do you ever see in a game? Maybe yeah. one return because they're kicking out of the end zone. You know, right. that's part of you might as well go ahead and just start every every game at the 30 yard line and not even do kickoff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but so, so the guy. All right. So did guys come off 
like, like, was that a a way to get on the field? Was doing special teams, and did guys come off the field just like man, like could barely walk coming off the field from kickoff returns? Oh, absolutely, because you know you're always going to get blindsided. You know, you always got to keep your head on a swivel, and that kickoff return, even as a fullback, you know, being a fullback, which is obsolete in the league now. I can remember Zach Crockett out in Oakland, who was one of the hellacious fullbacks. And Ironhead and those guys like that. Imagine the collisions between the middle linebacker and the fullback on a straight draw play. You know, mm, those huh. were the exact same things. But that's what the game of football was back then. Well, I mean, yeah, speaking of collisions, you're running back. I mean, yeah, we're, yeah. Ta- we're talking to you, <laughs> a guy who, I mean, you talk about being a, a, a big car wreck on every play. I mean, I, I, what, what are some of the biggest hits and biggest hitters that you remember? Oh, I could... There's a lot maybe, of maybe maybe you don't there's, remember. There's a, there's a <laughs> yeah exactly. There's a lot of I mean those those guys you know between Junior Seau and you know Sam Mills and you know even on my teammate Brian Cox you know come Ooh. on I mean it was oh my just gosh. and it wasn't really the linebackers that you had to worry about as my position it was the safeties because the safeties if the run if the receivers didn't block the safety the safety had a free run downhill to knock your head off you know that was. That's who you had to look out more so than anybody else as a running back, the safeties. That's why I hated I hated Atwater and I hated Ronnie Lott. I hated both. I hated both of those guys. Those guys were just they were headhunters, you know. Yeah, Rodney man. Harrison, too, you know, Rodney Harrison too, you know, playing against him in New England and out in San Diego, it was, you know, it was tough. So, uh, so w- would you would you get like some anxiety if all of a sudden you got through the line, you got through the linebackers? Would you be like head on a swivel? Be like. Oh, wonder who's going to hit you next? You had one move. That's all you had. You had one move. Once you broke, and you think it's open, it ain't open. <laughs> yeah. it, it ain't open. If that hole opens up, it's only open for a split second because someone's coming to fill it. Yeah. So, all right, I have to know this because the only reason I'm asking is I had a friend that was a big Chargers fan, loved Rodney Harrison. Would you consider Rodney Harrison a dirty player? Or he just played right to the edge. He played to the edge. He played to the edge. I mean, he he crossed that edge a little bit, but I think everyone that plays on defense, that played the game the way Rodney played it, always mm-hmm. they they teetered that line. Even right. Ronnie and Atwater, those guys, they you know they teetered that line because for them, as a safety, they're the last fence, last fence of defense. Right. So for them, they had to make you think about them, and that's the difference in playing the game now and that's for me the safeties were the were like the captains of the team because they as a running back I had to know where the safeties were because they dictate the defense and they dictate the secondary and that's that's the chess game and I learned that from Dan Dan Marino and Bernie Gozar they said listen you know it's like playing a chess game if the safety can disguise anything in the game they can disguise you know if it's going to be three deep if it's going to be man to man or whatever how they they shift when the ball is snapped. So as a running back, we had to watch that. And nowadays, I don't think a lot of safeties can disguise it the way those guys did back then. You know, now that you've got to be able to disguise a defense, that's what really makes a great safety. Right, yeah. Well, uh, all right, so Terry was a part of the 2002 Oakland Raiders that went to the Super Bowl. So I've got a lot of questions about Super Bowl. Week for you. <laughs> but, but before we get too far down the road about, about uh, football, how is your cornhole game? Because I, I know at one point, and you still uh, might be, Ter- Terry, Terry, again, for those who don't know, 
we talk we talk with you about football all the time, but a, a really great cornhole player and and an aspiring pro. So are, are you are you getting a chance? I know you're busy with your other businesses, but are you getting a chance to, to still play a lot? Is that still oh, yeah. a goal of yours? This is still a goal. This year, I've put in a lot of work. I've been practicing. I've been playing a lot of regionals. I've won uh, the last two uh, regional competitive divisions here. So nice. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Let me tell you, it, like I told you guys before, man, this thing is no joke. It's hard. Yeah. It, it, it is no joke. And it's evolving, you know, with all these roll bags and everything else. It's like, shit, I'm just trying to get it to go straight in the hole right now. Why are you guys rolling? <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, it's just it's becoming such a uh, competitive thing that I, I love it. I mean, I can't stop. Right. I'm trying to practice, you know, two, three times a week and then play in the regionals every month with uh, Rosie and Davis and those guys down here in South Florida Cornhole, and I'm inspired. I'm inspired big time. I, yeah, get, the chills. Gonna, that, I get the chills even talking about it. That's, that's awesome. going to be a focus of ours. Bernie and I have talked about it. That's going to be a fo- focus of ours on the broadcast this year because uh, Anthony Ione is going to take over um, the analyst duties for Trey on the pro shootout side. And that's okay. something we're going to talk about, Terry, because um, the game has. It's evolved so quickly. Even just even just in the last couple of years since I started broadcasting, it's evolved so quickly. This year, we're really going to try and hit the strategy and the carpetbaggers and the roll bags and the blocking strategy and the different levels of blocks because the game has evolved. I feel like we need to educate educate the viewers because otherwise they're going to be like, what the hell are these people doing? Just put it in the hole. But it's not like I, that anymore. It's yeah. definitely not like that anymore. And it, it was like that, you know, and then all the, the young the young generation. Yeah. They came in and was like, it's time to play dirty bags. You know, it's almost like dirty hits in football. Yeah. You know, they came in with this whole thing. You know, we're going to play dirty bags. We're going to muddy the board up. And it's it's changing the game completely. I mean, to your point, think about players like Matt Guy, Cheyenne Renner, or Cheyenne Bubenheim now that were strictly put it in the hole, maybe an airmail every now and then, are literally, Matt, not as much as Cheyenne, but they're trying to learn different shots because they know the game has changed. And if anything tells me the game has changed is when you have two of the greats say, I don't know if what's been great for me forever works as well anymore mm-hmm. because these kids can just do whatever they want with a bag. I mean, literally they can make, I don't, I don't even see how the physics works. I don't either. Just to change the, <laughs> change the grip of the bag. Okay. Let's go with a butterfly grip. And all of a sudden now it's going to be front loaded and it's going to hit and roll. I'm like, are these physicists? I mean, who? Somebody, <laughs> somebody at MIT told them this. I'm like, I have no idea. It's the craziest thing to me. And I, you know, everyone's like, you know, I talk to uh, Ryan Smith and Rosie all the time. You know, the BG guys. So I talk to them, and they're like, you know, Rosie's like, listen, she's been working on our airmails like crazy because, she, like you said, she's a straight shooter. She is. So now she's been practicing on her airmails because she knows she's going to get blocked. She yep. knows it's coming. So her airmails have to be on point because she knows what she's going to get. Have you felt the pressure to change your game at all now and, and try and evolve? I, I'm just trying to get – if I once I get to the point – right now I think I'm averaging like a 7-3, seven, a 7.3, seven which is not bad, you know, for me. Huh. Um, once I get over to 8, then I'll try to change it. You know, right now I think it's just for me just – trying to be consistent the mental part of it is the hardest part yeah it well, is the hardest part i i would think at a player at your level and we talk about this all the time whether we're on streaming or whatever get great at making you know, putting it in the hole 
get great at that first and then kind of work your game out. I think so many kids that we see, they've got seven different shots, but it's not quite consistent enough with those seven different shots. And they can't make a straight, just a, a, a straight bag in the hole sometimes when it's, when it's wide open. And that's, that's you got to learn that first and then expand your game. And for me, it's only been, what, uh, maybe eight months that I've actually really taken this really serious. Other than that, it was backyard stuff. But, you know, in eight months, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited how far I've come. And I think the other 15% I need is, which is crazy, is my nerves. You know, you, yeah. regardless, you know, nerves makes a big difference in this game on how hard you end up gripping the bag and, you know, how, you know, are you excited? Are you gripping your arm? Are you keeping your arm straight? It's, it's a lot to it. It's, it's tough. It's funny because I went back to my, to my whole mental thing that I used to do when I played, you know, Dr. Bob Rotella, who's a big sports psychologist, you guys know him from the golf world. You know, I went back to, you know, reading his books and stuff just to get back into the mental aspect of playing this. Cause I've never played an individual sport. I've always played team sports. Mm-hmm. And this is an individual sport. You know, even when you play in partners, it's yep. still an individual sport. And it, that mental part of it is very tough. So what have you learned by going back and reading that? I mean, how have you been able to apply Like, what specifically have you applied to your Cornell game now? Well, it's just like anything else. You know, you've practiced, you've practiced so much in this game. It's just like golf. How many shots do you hit in a day when you're practicing golf? You hit so many. Them guys are hitting. So you've actually hit every shot or you've thrown every bag that comes up in front of you. It's just a matter of knowing it and executing it that at that point. And how do you mentally prepare yourself for that? And that's just going out and having fun. You know, one of the things these guys go out and, you know, I don't wear headphones or nothing like that because I like the atmosphere around me. I like to hear that stuff because that takes the pressure off of me mentally. You know, just go out and have fun. You know, if you go out and have fun, you've already practiced. Game day is the, the best day of your life is when you're playing the game. When you're practicing, it ain't fun. No one likes to practice. You remember like AI said, what's practice? You know, <laughs> you know, no one likes to practice, but everyone loves to play the game. So when you play in that game, it's about just letting go and just having fun. And that's the point of, you know, that you, everyone has to get to when you watch these games. Well, when, you, when you're speaking of your nerves, all right, so do you feel those nerves going into a match when you know – I mean, obviously, if you're playing the competitive division, you're not going to play some of the higher level advanced players or pro players. But let's just say a blind draw night. Do you feel more nerves when you know, all right, all of a sudden you're matched up and you're throwing against someone like Rosie, who you know is going to fill it up? Well, that's what I end up doing. So what I do now in our regionals, I'll play in the open doubles and then then I play in the uh, competitive doubles. So I get the best of both worlds. So the other day. You know, in the open, you know, Jimmy McGuffin and Rosie and all them guys. So I play up in those divisions. So my first game, I'm actually nervous. You know, I'm really nervous. So the first game we played the other day, I shot an 8-5 against nice. another, against a pro. So for me, I was like, even though we lost, we lost, I think, 17-21. But, you know, we were in the game against, you know, advanced and pro players. So that way I still get that nerve playing someone up and that's why I don't that's why I do that that's that gives me that I'm gonna take my burns I'm gonna take my licks I'm gonna lose I know I'm gonna lose but I want to play up because when you play up you play better I I really hope people are listening to that I'm I'm being serious because you probably see it at tournaments all the time there's always a group of people that are trying to play down and I'll never understand that I'll never understand that 
that's like lying on your handicap. What are you really getting out of it? I, I don't understand. Yeah. I, who would do such a thing? I know. Who would, <laughs> right? Probably 95% of the people. <laughs> yeah, well, but, you know, you know, I, I think that's great because I, you know, that's why I play in the open. I want to play against the pros because you have to get that feel. And, you know, and all of a sudden you're playing, you know, for me to shoot an eight, an eight five against a pro, you know what? I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with my game. Even though I lost, I, I shot pretty well. <laughs> you know, g- going back to what you were saying about game days and how everyone loves game days, um, I think one of the best quotes I've heard from one of our ACL pros, Terry, was with Mark Richards. And it was last year because you're right. I mean, we talk about the nerves all the time because it's a thing, right? I mean, it's, it's difficult. You're on national TV, whether it's ESPN or CBS, and it's an individual sport. I mean, yeah, there's doubles, but it's an individual sport. And I remember asking Mark Richards about it, you know, about the nerves. And he's like, no, he's like, I don't feel nerves. I'm like, what do you mean you don't feel nerves? He's like, when I get to that championship court, I deserve to be there. I've put in the practice. I've put in the work. I have gone through a gauntlet all day of qualifying. I've put myself in a position where I deserve to be there and I want to finish it. And I couldn't believe like when he said that to me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Wow. (laughs) That's that's impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. Very impressive. I was going to ask you as, as far as that one more one more note here on the on the mental side. Do you do you, the self talk in your head? We talk about this a lot. Do do you feel like you talk to yourself similarly playing cornhole as you did in football? Like, did, do you remember having a self talk in your like? What would you say when you're lined up and you know you're going to get the the, the ball on, on on a certain play? Like, was there a self talk going on in your head? No, there's in that game. There's no self talk in football. I think football football is one of those instinct. games. It's all all instinct. Yeah. <laughs> it's all instinct. You know the thing about cornhole, you can talk to yourself every single shot. Yeah. You know you can actually do that self talk. Okay, I need to hit it right on this spot right here. I need you can talk. You can, you have time to do that. And in football, it's all instinct. But you know you see some guys that don't even take any time on a shot. As soon as that bag hits, they're shooting. I don't know how they do that. I mean, their mind is, you know, there's a, they don't take any time. And that for me, I'm like, shit, I got to sit here and think about the shot that I need. So and I think for me, I think that can hurt me because I can't use instincts. And that's what I, I think I have to get used to. Yeah, big adjustment. Well, hey, we've only got five minutes left. We got to get to the Super Bowl. Every um, time. <laughs> yeah. So, so Terry, what what is the? I mean, you, you were there again, two thousand two, with the Oakland Raiders. Unfortunately, got hurt that season, but you were still there, traveled with the team. I mean, you 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 experienced the entire madness of of the week leading up to the Super Bowl. What and, and you're still close to the game, obviously, and follow all the players. What is this week like? And and it, speaking of nerves, are you excited? Are you nervous? I mean, what what are the emotions you go through the week of the Super Bowl? It's the. I think the nerve wracking thing is all the stuff that you have to do outside of that. You know, you got to do some luncheons. You got to do you know. There's so much media around, so it's a lot that you have to focus on. And people have to remember, it's still a game week. It's still game week. It's the mm-hmm. biggest game you're ever going to play in your life, but it is game week. So, you know, mentally you have to keep it as this is still work. Yeah, there's a lot more going on. You know, you got a lot of family in town. You you know, you're trying to entertain a lot, but it's still game week. So I think that's one of the things that the young guys have to understand that, you know, this is probably the biggest game and maybe the only game or only Super Bowl that you will ever play in in your life. You only, you know, a lot of people never got a chance to play in the Super Bowl. You know, guys that played 15, 16 years, 
never played in the Super Bowl. You know, can you imagine that? And then yeah. all of a sudden you get there and now you have that opportunity to do something great, you know, to be one of how many, not even thousands of players has ever played in that game, you know, and that there's no more, no better excitement than that. It's, it's just amazing. Well, speak, you know, kind of piggybacking on some of Jeff's stuff about mindset, were there particular people inside the locker room that you wanted to stay close to and or stay away from? Some people would get too amped up. Some people might get a little too nervous. Were there people that you are, right, I want to be around this guy all week. Or were there people, and, uh, you know, someone else in the locker room too nervous at the moment's too big for him. And are you staying away from those people? You know, in that position, I think you, you we gravitated more to our position because your position as running backs, you, you, you're together. Mm -hmm. all the time so i think as a group you kind of know how to handle each other and you know usually everyone's kind of doing their own little thing but you always have the clicks and stuff that you always hung with all season you're not going to change absolutely anything that you've done all year because you know why it's worked right. <laughs> you're in the biggest game of your life and now you're there already you're at the big show so why would you change anything you don't change a thing man you go out there and it's still 11 on 11 Right. No matter what, it's the biggest game. Everyone's watching, but it's still 11 on 11. And, you know, you still have to take the game. You can't get too excited because that's when you start making mistakes. You know, you start doing crazy stuff because you're overexcited. And that until that first play when you get hit, then you're like, okay, all right, let me come down. Because it's so, <laughs> you know, just just the pregame alone with the start, you know, everybody's singing and the fireworks and all that, it's <laughs> It's a show, and you you, know, you take it you take it all in, but then when that ball is kicked off, now it's time to bring it back down to where where you need to be to play this game. Yeah, that that kind of parlays in what I was going to ask you what it's <laughs> what it's like when you because you can you can prepare for it right. You can have guys <laughs> like you tell other players you know what to expect. Yeah, but when you walk out of that tunnel. You got fifty million people watching on TV. Oh, you yeah. got you got another hundred thousand in the stadium, whatever eighty, hundred thousand people in the stadium. Well, I, I, what, what is it like walking out of that tunnel? I can't even imagine. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, I, the thing about it is, like I said, I you know I broke my leg that year, so I still got to travel with the team, and I walked out the tunnel, and I'm sitting on the side. I'm still wearing my you know wear the jerseys even when you're on the sideline. You know, you got the Super Bowl patch, and you're just sitting there like, wow. You know, as a kid playing football, you know, six, seven years old. All you say is, this is a Super Bowl. This is a Super Bowl. This is a Super Bowl. You know, as a kid, you keep saying that all the way up until that day you finally get there. You're like, damn, <laughs> I'm actually playing in the Super Bowl, you know, because that's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just the craziest thing ever. You know, it's like as a kid, you know, we grew up being a player. You know, you grew up playing, oh, Dan Marino's throwing me this ball. Oh, you know, I'm Walter Payton, I'm this and that. And then when I got into the league and I got to meet all those guys that I said I was when I was a little kid, it was, you know, it's amazing. So to be able to do that and say I actually played in Super Bowl, you know, even though we didn't win and I wasn't there, but I was a big part of that in the beginning of the season, I'm still still get the chills, man. I still hmm. get it because it's, there's nothing better. You know, it's that is when you know you've been there and you've done it. You know, you've put in all the work. Like Mark Richards said, you've put in all the work. You've put in all the practice. You've put in everything you had to do to make it to this game right here. And now I'm here. God, can't imagine. Get me. I'm fired <laughs> up right now, Jeff. Let's go. I know, right? 
All right, we got we got we got we got forty five seconds left. Who who do you like? You like the Chiefs? You like the Eagles? Oh, what, what what are you thinking? I would love the Eagles to win, um, but I just think Kansas City is just they're tough. And you know the Eagles, I think they just haven't played any real tough games this year. And the best thing about them is. They got healthy at the right time. That's the reason why they were able to do what they did. And, of course, the 49ers, you know, had some unfortunate yeah. injuries. But the bad thing for the Eagles is Mick Holmes is probably going to be healthy. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. had two weeks, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's had two weeks to get healthy. And you saw what he did with a hurt, high ankle sprain <laughs> last week. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what. Was he really hurt? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> that, that, that must be a new cortisone injection. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, because he did the exact <laughs> same thing he would do if he was healthy. <laughs> yeah, it's so, amazing, but yeah, amazing what he's doing. Is, yeah, it's, you know, both of them quarterbacks, I think it's an amazing thing. I think it's, you know, and you know what? The best two teams are in the Super Bowl. Yep. Yes, I agree. All right, so you like you the know, Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you I like the Eagles, but... I do like the Eagles. I want the Eagles to win. I think it's great for, listen, for that city, you know, they went to the yeah, World oh, Series, yeah. you know, they went to the World Series, yep. and now they're in the Super Bowl. I mean, I think it's great for Philadelphia, for sure. I think it's awesome. All right, my man, we got to run. Hey, thank you, as always, so much for your time. I know how busy you always. are, but uh, th- this <laughs> week we, we had to talk to you. We had to talk Cornhole, and we had to talk Super Bowl. So uh, th- thanks for your time. Always great to, to see you, always. and uh, look forward to seeing you down the road. See you later, I Terry. hope so. I'll see you guys. Thanks. All right, Terry. Terry Kirby. Wow. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect guy this week. Perfect guest. All right. I will see you on a couple of you like Chiefs or you like or you like Eagles. I'm I'm with him. I think the Chiefs will just have a little too much. I mean, even if it comes down to one drive, Mahomes will find a way. Yeah. All right. I'm with you. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. <laughs> I'll see you in a couple a couple of days. See you, buddy. Bye, everybody. <laughs>